Welcome to Lost in Translations. I'm your host, Michael, and I am joined today by Steph from the Booktube channel Time to Read, and we're discussing Out by Natsu Karino, and this is translated from the Japanese by Steven Snyder. Welcome to Lost in Translations. I have Steph. Hello. That's your name. <laughs> That's my name. You said no one knows your name. Yeah, no one knows my name. I mean, not no one, but, you know. Hopefully not some, people. Not, so, some people. Some people. Some But you have the BookTube channel, Time to Read. Oh, right, right, right. I, yes, I do. I am on the BookTube. I have been on the BookTube for... Four or five years? I don't even remember now, but it's been a bit. Yeah. I think you started before I did, a couple of months before I started BookTube. Yeah, I don't don't remember. I know that I was in, oh, yeah, it must have been, yeah, fall of 2014, now that I'm thinking about it, because that was when I was deep in nursing school. Yeah. Yeah. Back in the good Uh, old days. (laughs) Back in the good old days where you didn't know how to edit. I still don't know how to edit. I fake it. <laughs> I own, all I, know how, uh, I know how to like tape the bits together for vlogs. And I now I know how to do the inserts of the photos, which I'm so, so, so proud of. It's only been five years, but I figured it out finally. <laughs> There's lots of YouTube videos you can watch to learn. I'm too busy watching booktube videos to watch other kinds of YouTube videos. Well, that's true. (laughs) Takes up too much time. No time to read. No, no time to read. I'm trying to read 30 books in 30 days right now. What? Why? I know. I don't know. Just because I've bought so many recently, but they're all like really small and like graphic novels and nothing in translation. I haven't read anything in translation this month, so don't judge me. I do judge you. I know, but you do read, or try to read a lot of translations. I try. Yeah, I don't know what has been happening lately that I've been gravitating towards non-translated things. I feel like it's laziness, probably. Laziness. And, and, you know, I've actually made a terrible mistake because, let me, well, this is very not good for a podcast, but I'm just going to show you my living room situation. So my bookshelves that are behind me, are not translated. Oh my gosh. And my sofa's there. And then my translated bookshelf are like, you know, books that would be in translation are over there. So I'm not looking at them. Maybe I should switch it around. So I'm facing my translation so that I'm like, oh yeah. Yeah. Well, it probably helps that you could look at them and say, why haven't I read that? Yeah. Yeah. I should do that. I'm going to do that. Maybe you st- later you st- in the month. Yeah. You still buy a lot of translations. or I do. You tend to look for translations when you go to a bookstore. I try very hard because we live in a capitalist society, so your money is your mouth. You know what I'm saying? Or I guess your money is your vote. So I'm trying to vote for translations so that more of them get available. Because yeah, yeah, that's like a big problem is that there's not very many that are available. And if you go into a bookstore, because I am a fan of book shopping, um, and especially like indie bookstores, if you go in and ask for translations, you know, it's... Ferrante and Murakami, it's always, there's like the basic kind of authors that everyone talks about. I'm not saying they're not good authors, but I want more than that. When I'm You've already sick. read those ones? Yeah, exactly. I, didn't, I don't need you to tell me who Murakami is, please. Tell me something more obscure that I've never heard of before, please. I always like the bookshops that have an actual international section or world literature section. Yeah. They're always better. I, I don't see a lot of that over here. I don't know. You probably no. have more exciting bookstores where you are. No, I don't see it too often. <laughs> yeah. I know that my favorite is Daunt's in, in London because they have everything is sectioned off by like geographical location. So you go and you find books from by people from the country, about the country, and then like travel books for that country. And it's, it was just my, it's my favorite bookstore in the whole, in the whole world. 
It's so great. I've never been, so I couldn't you should go. say. You should go. <laughs> <laughs> I highly recommend. Just for the bookstore. Yes. <laughs> well, obviously there's other good stuff in London too, but that is a good bookstore. For people that don't really know you, why do you read translations? Oh, um, oh gosh, what a great question. I mean, the real question is why would someone not read translations? <laughs> um, that's true. <laughs> yeah, I don't see why you wouldn't. I don't know. I That's because they're usually really good. I feel like in the U.S., this is not to make a generalization of humans or book writers or whatever, but everything is more like, I don't want to say basic, but things are not always as heavy as I would like them to be. I mean, there are, of course, exceptions to that. But in general, I feel like you get a lot like darker, weirder kind of stuff. Like people that people aren't afraid to be more strange, I guess, from other countries, at least my experience reading both. Like experimental or... Yeah. Yeah, I think with translations, they normally try and get the ones they think are really good. So you get all the more darker... Or the more literary stuff, the stuff that they feel like will represent their country better than just the easy read. That's a really good point. I didn't think about that, that they're because they have to translate it, not everything that's printed is yeah, translated. Yeah. So it's definitely like more of a select. I wish everything that you know was translated into all all the languages, especially English, so I could read it because I'm selfish. Um but I don't know. I think it's good to have multiple perspectives. There's a huge push like on BookTube for diversity and everything. And I think that's like wonderful and great. And diversity should, you know, include different countries. Like I don't want to be so, you know. Yeah. I always thought they meant diversity in American literature. They never seem to go towards yeah. the translations. Yeah. Which is a shame. It is a shame. Hopefully and get there. Hopefully. And don't get me wrong because it is important to, you know, represent all kinds of people in your reading. But it does seem to be very U.S. and like U.K. focused always, always. And it is really hard if you go into an indie bookstore because, again, I mostly just try to shop at indie stores. I mean, if you go into a Barnes & Noble, it's going to be – I mean, you'll find like Tolstoy and stuff. But like new contemporary authors are super hard to find in these stores. You'll probably Which, find yeah. the popular ones like Convenience Store Woman or – don't know i mean i bought convenience store but i think i bought that online really yeah i don't think that i that's a good point i'm gonna i'm gonna try to go look the problem is i have got pals and pals has almost everything so it's not like a really good uh marker uh, of what the, the bookstores <laughs> in general are doing it would be hard for you to live in a town with a big bookstore like that it's actually okay because it's downtown and a part of town that i don't like going to i I don't really like leaving my house in general, so it's not too bad, thankfully. But I used to work there, so that that was one that, that was a problem. But now that I'm not forced to go there, I, I don't go that frequently. <laughs> uh, you lost your staff discount. Yeah, I, it was a good it was a good discount. Oh well, I really don't need any more books on my shelves right now. <laughs> I'm cool. But you bought so many. I know, so bad. I think you love Indie Bookstore Day. I know. It's it's the best holiday of the whole year. <laughs> it is the best. It's the best day, especially in Seattle. Seattle really, if you are a listener and you live in Seattle or near Seattle, you should go to Indie Bookstore Day or you should go to Seattle for Indie Bookstore Day because they do like a bookshop crawl and it is very, very exciting. I just think they're really important places. <laughs> Sorry, my cat. <laughs> Yeah, well, I have one indie bookstore in my city. That's yeah. it. Well, hopefully they've got books that feed your needs so that you don't have to. It's hard. Well, I've got plenty on my shelf. but Yeah, that's true. <laughs> I always want more. I know. It's so bad. Before BookTube started, I already was, this was my problem. I would read like two books a month and buy like five and now I read like eight and buy like 20 it's so bad I'm I'm trying to not though weren't you doing something where you try to get rid of books 
Yeah, I'm doing like a a thing where I'm trying to, you know, not acquire more. I'm trying to I'm trying to be harsher, I guess, with the books and get rid of like if I purchase and I have to kind of get rid of. But last month doesn't count because of the holiday. So <laughs> last month is <laughs> whatever I purchased is, is a free pass. But I did buy almost a hundred books in two days. Worth it. <laughs> <laughs> I agree. I didn't count, but I think almost half of them might have been translations. Yeah, for the the Indie Bookstore Day ones, I, that was one of my goals was to try. I was trying to buy non, nonfiction, translated, or um, small press books. Those are, I'm starting to, I am, I think translation is really, really important, but I'm starting to veer kind of more into small press as being something that I'm trying to focus more on. And um, there's a lot of, um, Small press, yes, that are doing translations like Open Letter and Coffee House Press, Fitzcarraldo. Yeah, I agree. Which is why I said those are the those are the blue ones, right? The Fitzcarraldo, or yeah, the Fitzcarraldo, Fitzcarraldo editions of the blue and white ones. They're so yeah, those are great. I need to read them. (laughs) It's really easy to buy three to five hundred page books, but. You need the time to read. I know. I'm so bad. And I'm sitting over here reading The Lovely Bones by Alice Siebold, which is just like horrible. I don't know why I'm wasting my time, but it's too late. I'm already too invested. But I'm a little disappointed in myself. Uh, I'm terrible at just giving up on books. I'm usually okay with it, but I feel like this one in particular is like such a, it was such a like cultural phenomenon. And I don't understand why, because it is horribly graphic and really disgusting and it upsets me a lot which is hard to do it's hard to upset me I'm usually pretty down for most weird reading experiences but I don't understand why this book was so popular but that's interesting the book that we are doing is very graphic yeah it is very graphic (laughs) but that one I was totally down for (laughs) you're all okay with cutting up men yeah (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I mean, if they deserve it, <laughs> I'm just joking. Just so everyone's clear. <laughs> I don't even uh, she's not. Oh, stop it. I feel like for some reason I need to be holding it. But I guess I don't. I know what it's about. <laughs> yeah. Well, the book is called out by Natsu Kirano and it was translated by Steven Snyder from the Japanese. Yes. You know, this podcast has been going for a year. This is the first Asian book we've done. Oh, interesting. Yeah, I know. I'm surprised it took so long, but I try and let the <laughs> guests pick. Oh, that's fair. At least I got to Africa before Asia. So <laughs> that. That's fair. When did you read out? It was beginning of last year, but I still remember yeah, a lot of it like- fairly clearly. It's, it's not that one that stays with you. Yeah. The basic premise is a woman who has a terrible husband, she decides to get rid of. <laughs> Sorry, I shouldn't laugh. Yeah, she gets rid yeah. of him. <laughs> <laughs> that seemed the right decision to make. <laughs> At the time. Yeah, but. Yeah, it is a weird, it is a weird book. I like weird books and Me I think. Too. I really like when Japanese literature goes dark. I agree. Still looking for the book. I know. I'm really lame. I don't know where it is. Oh, my gosh. It's right there. Oh, my screen fell asleep. I found it. Okay. (laughs) I don't know why it makes me feel better to have it, to hold it. Um, So how, because I guess, you know, no spoilers, obviously. Oh, try not to spoil it. The well, book is fairly old. <laughs> yeah, it is pretty old. But I feel like, to me, I mean, the whole premise of the book is really interesting. But I think the multiple kind of storylines that are happening are really interesting. That they yeah. happen to accidentally get involved with some crazy, crazy guy. The stalker? <laughs> yeah, I hated him. But I think one of my favorite scenes was with the stalker. Like he goes up to the woman and she goes, not now, go away, I'm busy. <laughs> oh, no, him. Oh, I liked him. No, I'm talking about the really weird, creepy, oh, yeah. sadistic guy. He's yeah. a bummer. 
Well, I guess the basic premise is after she cuts up the body to get rid of it, she kind of enlists her friends at the factory, or friends is probably not the right word, co-workers, to try and help get rid of the body. Yeah, Yeah, they're the ones that actually do the cutting up. She does not cut him. So she murders, and then she calls her friends, and then they come and they cut up and and, uh, dispose of, I guess, the body. Yeah, and things just spiral after that. Real aggressively. <laughs> Very aggressively. Yeah. Some of those women made some weird choices, though, like yeah. disposing of a body in a park, yeah. in the trash well, cans in a park, which was seemed weird. Yeah, the, the woman that did that was not the brightest cookie she was a very <laughs> horribly selfish disgusting woman i she was again these women yeah they're not really friends they're just friendly co-workers yes yeah. she, she is not a good person which is weird that i'm making that distinction since one of them murdered her husband and the other one you know cut up the just, body but i'm saying that this particular one is a bad person because <laughs> she's so like gluttonous and greedy and just her whole Lazy. vibe, really. Yeah, yeah. Ugh, it really disgusted me reading about her. Did you think it was a social commentary rather than a crime novel? Oh, my gosh. Now we're getting deep. I don't know, Michael. Probably you're so much smarter than I am. <laughs> I mean. Well, I probably had longer time to think about it. <laughs> probably, but also you are smarter than I am. So that's a great question. I don't know. Can you elaborate on your your thoughts on that? Because I I don't know. Well, I feel like it was more like these women are just trying to make their lives the best as possible and things like the pressures of the men outside of their own lives or in part of their own lives seem to be pushing pressure and making their lives difficult and they're trying to break free of that. But no matter what they do, they continue running into men that have been obstacles in their own paths. True. Again, except for the one, the one horrible lady. I feel like so. I don't remember what their names are, but there's the no. skipper. <laughs> the skipper is the secondary kind of friend who she's got her daughter who like left her newborn baby with her, her other daughter, and then her husband's mom who's an invalid in her house, so she's having to take care of all these people. So her situation in general is extremely difficult and then the other like what i would consider to be the main character whose name i don't remember at no, all. i don't remember names not not the not the husband killer but oh my gosh it is gonna drive me crazy if i don't think of her name but she she definitely i feel like has men constantly getting in her way but maybe because she is the main character so you see it more like with her because the the creepy the stalker guy the horrible creep guy the the other guy that's kind of getting her back into the mess it's kind of hard to talk about this book without spoiling it man I don't know what to say right yeah. now yeah <laughs> there's just <laughs> a lot of men too much there's a lot of men and they get in the women's ways yeah pretty much I mean starting that's off fun. even with the husband the husband that gets murdered he's you know seeing a prostitute and spending all the wife's money on gambling and not not a good person. I don't think anyone in this book is a good person, to be honest with you. It's <laughs> probably why I like it so much. Yeah, that's probably the reason I like it as well. I don't know if as many um, women writing novels like this, which are very aggressive about getting rid of the men. Ah, oh, man. I don't know. I'd have to look at my the shelves only, and only. reassess... The only I other one I could think of was The Faculty of Dreams. I haven't read that. Do you own it? No, I think it's only in hardcover right now. Uh, and I don't understand this hardcover culture in America. Like having it printed first in hardcover and then in paperback? Yeah. It's because they want more money. I don't know. And a lot of people That's think true. that they're visually appealing. I just... I don't want to spend that much money on a book when I've got literally over a thousand that I have to read on my shelves. Yes, you heard me correctly. Here in Australia, because it's so expensive to import, everything basically comes out in paperback. How nice. I prefer reading a paperback, so it works well for me. Yeah, 
the backs are so much better. Maybe I'll treat myself to it next month or something and, and read it immediately. Because if I'm not reading it immediately, I'm not buying it. <laughs> I think it'll probably be one that if you liked out, you'd probably like it. Yeah, okay. Great. Because, yeah, I really, really like this. I I don't know. I get so bored. People, I feel like, have a tendency to enjoy characters that are, like, there's, you know, you can go on Goodreads and look at people's opinions of things, and everyone says, like, oh, the characters were so terrible, so I hate the book, one star, which I do not understand. I no, like I a good, complex character. Even, like, the bad characters, there's always, like, you know, you see their motivations and what's going on with them, and I don't know. I think it's much more interesting to read. I, I get annoyed with unlikable characters as an excuse. That's so dumb. It just means that the, the writer is good at their job because <laughs> they can create these emotions yeah. in you when you're reading. Well, a lot of the time they need to be unlikable for the story they try to write. That's true. But I mean, I guess books more like Out or The Dinner or something where all the characters, including the protagonists, are not nice, you know. But then people read things like Outlander where, you know, the romance is based on rape and everyone loves it. So I don't really get, I don't get people. Yeah. I won't talk about Outlander. It's my wife's favorite series. Oh, really? I only read the first book. I couldn't read anymore. I, <laughs> no offense, her. Sorry. What's your wife's name? Mary. I, I did Mary. read Sorry, the first one. Yeah. I The first one was fine. I'm not saying it's bad. I just don't understand this like mentality of like a, a loving relationship based on literally rape is totally fine and everyone loves it. But I have to like my main character. My main character has to be, you know, super, super wonderful and nice. I don't get it. A lot of people think Jamie is great, but he's not. I have no opinion because I don't remember, but, you know. He was abusive. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, boy. Oh, boy. Oh, well. I don't really want to talk about it because it's, I feel like the ending of the book, you know, I don't really, I don't want to spoil it, but I just want to put out there that the very ending I did not like, and maybe we can talk about it and not recorded because I'm curious about your thoughts about that specifically. You might have to remind me. I don't remember how okay. the book ended. Maybe I blocked that out. <laughs> <laughs> maybe. Cause it's just like the very, very ending. I just think was like kind of weird. And didn't didn't suit my my taste, which I hate saying out loud because I'm always worried that people are gonna like be really smart and figure out what I'm saying, and then you know, based on what things I enjoy, and then it's gonna ruin it for them. But no one's thinking that hard about what I have to say, right? Probably not. <laughs> <laughs> no one's thinking as hard about what you're saying than yourself, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I I don't think there's many people on BookTube analyzing everything people say. I know. People always apologize like, oh, I haven't posted a video. I'm so sorry. It's just like I literally did not notice because I have so many videos to watch that I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. I cut down my video watching a BookTube. Oh, good for you. I think I found my niche of translations and I don't find much of that on BookTube. Yeah. Now it's podcasts. Yeah. Oh, podcasts. I know you listen to heaps of podcasts. Do you listen to many book ones? Um, Oh, gosh, my phone's so far away. I don't, unfortunately. I have that completionist craziness inside of me that I can't listen to the episode unless I've read the book. Because for me, podcasts are conversations, and if I'm missing out on an important piece of the conversation, then I don't want to be privy to it, you know? So it's really frustrating, and I wish I could be less uptight, but I am so, so anal, <laughs> and I don't know why. It's really frustrating, but... Yeah, well, that's understandable. I Like with this podcast, I try to keep the conversations casual and spoiler-free so people don't have to read the book. It's more about talking about literature, I guess, and hopefully convincing people to tr- read more translations. So that's the point of this podcast. Yes, which I appreciate so much, by the way. I feel like you are a big reason that I care so much about translations. So I just want to say thank you very much. <laughs> I never <laughs> I thought think, about it before, you know? 
Well, I kind of annoyed everyone on BookTube trying to get them to mention translators. <laughs> I don't think it's annoying. I think it's important. Translators <laughs> are so important. I feel like we take them for granted so much. Like, yeah. we would not be reading that book if this other person doesn't exist. This person has to not only read a book in a different language that might not be their first language, but then they have to translate it into a different language, conveying the same meaning, like tonally being, I assume and hope similar. It's a really important thing that I feel like people, yeah, don't, don't think yeah, about. Job. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I, I think it's important to mention the translators and without them, we don't get access to these stories. Sometimes when a person hauls multiple books that are translated, they don't have time to mention the translators. That's all I'm saying that maybe it's more important to mention the translators when one's talking about the book in review fashion. Yeah, I'll call you out when you do that. <laughs> I'm just teasing. It's important. You're right. You're right. Are there books you would recommend that are similar to out, hopefully translated? Oh, gosh. Oh, my gosh. You should have prepared me for that, I think, before. I can't. I don't well, think that I've <laughs> Yeah, I don't think I've read anything, at least nothing off the top of my head that has the what same. What about hmm? Japanese literature recommendations? Oh gosh. Okay. Again, I feel like the problem is that my books are my books are my read books are organized by publication date, so it's kind of hard to go through them because they're, right. not, they're not organized by oh you know what's a really weird weird book i i think this is a japanese author paprika have you ever read this i don't think i have oh my gosh i'm pretty sure this is a japanese um author um but it's called paprika by yasutaka tsutsui and it's translated Steven by Andrew Driver, would you say? Okay. Uh, I was just guessing it might have been Steven Snyder. Mm, but the oh, author yeah. sounds familiar. It's Does. so strange. It says the author of Salmonella Men on Planet Porno. I've never, I haven't, I haven't read anything else by yeah. this author. It's, it was turned into a movie that's like a cartoon movie that is, didn't, uh, represent visually what I saw in my own head when I was reading but this is a weird weird book um oh my gosh I read this so long ago I might have read this before at booktube um but basically it's these people do like dream science and so they go into they put on helmets or something and I don't really remember like the plot 100% but it becomes very chaotic and crazy and I'm not good at describing books that I read a long time ago I, right. I mildly recommend this. I did think it was a really good experience reading it because it was so weird. And I almost kind of want to reread it again now. Oh, that's what it is. Okay, so she's a psychotherapist and her alter ego is a dream detective named Paprika. And she has to, she must venture into the dream world in order to fight her mysterious opponents. Soon nightmares begin to leak into daily life and the borderline between dream and reality grows unclear. That's true. Yeah, it's kind of like a, it's such a weird book. And again, there is a movie, so if you don't feel like reading it, there's a, <laughs> there's a movie version of it, just so you can understand how crazy, crazy that thing is. Um, that sounds interesting. I might have to get a copy of that. Yeah, it is. it was a really weird... I, I would definitely read more books that that author has written, which I feel like is a good indicator, right? Of whether or not yeah, I don't know any other books that this author wrote, the author about. Yeah, no, I, me neither. I am definitely curious to read more from her. I don't know if it mentions any other books on the cover. No. Soft Cheeks. It says to be published in English in 1999. I don't know if that's accurate anymore, though. This is a copy that I got at a library book sale, so it's old. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Before 1999. Um, yeah, yeah, but I I think I need to look her up and see if she's got other books because if they're anything like out, I'll definitely need to read it. Yeah, I'm I'm really excited because I got let me hold on, let me get uh this two books that I just bought at the independent bookstore day that are uh, Japanese. Um I just got these two and I'm so excited because I got them at two different bookstores and I didn't realize, but if you look at them, they're obviously like this, they're Pushkin Press editions and it's Slow Boat by Hideo Furukawa, translated by david boyd yeah david boyd 
And then Record of a Night Too Brief by Hiromi Kawakami, translated by Lucy North. And this is the author of Strange Weather in Tokyo that I feel like a lot of people have read. <laughs> a lot of people. Yeah. I feel like I've definitely heard people talk about it on BookTube. So I'm really, really I excited. I have read that one. No, I don't think I've read Strange Weather in Tokyo, but I, I do remember it being everywhere. Yeah. I think I have slow boat on my bookshelf as well somewhere. Oh, maybe we could buddy read it if you want. Maybe if you want. I don't No pressure. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I feel like these are both going to be kind of more like dreamlike, you know, more and more commie yeah. than, than out. I feel like out is more kind of like uh, the other more commie. Uh, where's? Rue. Yeah. You know, more. Like in the Muso soup. Yeah. I've only read Audition. Oh, that's his horror one, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. I think that was made into a movie as well. It was. I think I watched the movie like a long time ago before I read the book. And I feel like they have different vibes, but I, I'm very interested in reading more. Are not all of his books horror books? No. Uh, in the Muso Soup's more like out. It's very exploring the dark side of Tokyo, the red light district. Okay. So a little more disturbing. Oh, okay, great. <laughs> that piques my interest immediately. <laughs> yeah, um, I prefer it to horror. I like the just yeah. like let's look at all the disturbing or the underground of a city kind of stuff. Yeah, I don't know. I feel like because um, Haruki Murakami was like the first. I really want to say that he's the first translated author that I ever read, and I just really. Hard Boiled Wonderland and the End of the World was, I, thinking about it, it's still my favorite book of all time. And there's like a very specific, like dense, melancholic feel to his books that I really, really, really enjoy. And I'm hoping that these two new ones that I got, Slow Boat and Record of a Night Too Brief, have the same kind of feel while being different authors so that maybe I can branch out. Hopefully, because... I don't think Mirakami's newer stuff is any good. It's yeah, I haven't read it. I'm I'm very uh, what's it called? I trust my gut a lot, and my gut is telling me that I'm not going to enjoy them. But I'm probably still going to read them eventually. But I just I'm not uh, yeah. rushing out to do it. Like his books got longer and longer, and I think he's relied less on an editor, which is never a good idea. <laughs> <laughs> That's probably because he's so you know he's so hopping like Stephen King or Patterson or whatever they can get away with anything yeah I think it was Ed I think it was Ed Rice that decided she now that she's popular she doesn't want an editor oh gosh I don't want to talk about (laughs) Ed Rice (laughs) I have a very fraught relationship with her (laughs) I think getting back to Mirakami I think he's (laughs) like he's got an old and creepier so yeah. His new stuff, if, it's not just not the same. I, I like some of his older stuff, but yeah. Maybe I don't I think I'll read many. There's new stuff now so that I just have good things to look forward to in the future. Do you think we can convince yeah. him to stop writing? Probably not. <laughs> I'm just joking. You never know. Maybe he'll turn something good out one of these days. I feel like a lot of people hate Murakami though. Now everyone gets like really into something and then collectively decides to crap on it. Like I, it's the a I symptom of the internet. With, yeah. Like that kind of happened with Murakami. Not too much to the same extent, but Eleanor Ferrante gets a similar treatment. She does. What do people have to say about her? She's, she's great. What's wrong with yeah. Ferrante? <laughs> They probably just need to read more books from different authors. Oh my gosh, she's so she's so great. Granted, I've only read the Neapolitan series, but I have a few more of her books on my shelves waiting for me. Uh, I'm trying to think. I think it was Endurance of Love was one of her short books that I really liked. And I think I've got like The Lost Daughter and some other. I have a, I have a few of her. Endurance um, Troubling Something. I oh, Troubling Love. That. Troubling yeah. Love. Yeah, I've got that one somewhere too. I need to. Yeah, I can't remember her book names. I think uh, Nazgad gets a similar treatment too. Oh, yeah. People love to hate on him. 
I have I bought I bought the first book in the in the series to try to read which, it. Which series though? The oh the My Struggle. <laughs> my struggle. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like that's what people give him crap about because it's like, oh, why would you think that anyone would want to like listen to all of these words about you? <laughs> A woman would never do this. Just kidding. But you know, I feel like I've heard that. Um But if you're saying it's semi-autobiographical. Maybe Eleanor Ferrante's books are kind of autobiographical oh. in a way as well. <laughs> Probably not the same extent where he's trying to pass them off as this is my life kind of thing. Yeah. And this is just like criticisms that I've heard. I listen to the, the only book podcast that I do listen to with frequency is the New York Times book review. And I think one of them either was reading it or something they were talking about in they mentioned something like that, and I thought it was funny. I don't listen to that one. <laughs> I do, and I just I recently subscribed to the New York Review of Books, the magazine, but I haven't finished a single issue yet because I like to hoard things. Classic. The problem with these magazines is that you read them, and then you learn about all of these books to read, and then you just have more things to read. Reading leads you to more reading. And then I'm yeah, going to die. True. I don't think we'll ever complete our reading list. <laughs> it's, there's no way I'm going to ever finish my reading list. I have too many. I've, look, this is, since I've got you visually here, this is a binder full of lists and it doesn't even include a lot of books that are on a different lists. lists. Did you write out all these lists from the internet? Um, I... I copy and pasted from the internet because typing all of it would be terrible. I do have two that I hand, I have a list from like booktube, booktube recommended books and like who recommended it in or who I heard it on this channel in a parentheses. And then I've got another list and both of those lists alone are over 4,000 books each. And it's just like, who am I kidding? You got to go through that list at some point and realize there's a lot of books here that I don't want to read. Yeah, I guess, but I don't have time to do that because I've, I'm spending so much time adding books to the list. I can't, I don't have time to like go through and, and remove. <laughs> do you cross things off once you read them? Well, I have a spreadsheet of all of the books that I own and haven't read. And so my list of books that I want, once I purchase them, I remove them and then they go onto my spreadsheet of books that I own and haven't read. And then I remove them from the list. I just delete it. I don't like cross it off. The crossing off would be nice, but it's a lot of effort to put into lists. I really like lists. Well, that's oh. fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> I love spreadsheets and lists. I feel like most people on BookTube do. Yeah, right? yeah. <laughs> yeah, definitely. It's like a. I'll I'll send you a list of translations. <gasps> okay. I don't know if I can find a good one. <laughs> Uh, the goal is just to hope that a list that you find has most of the books are already on another list that you already have. Like I'm hoping for a lot of, uh, you know, cross contamination. Yeah. Yeah. That's the, the prayer and hope is that that's the case. I don't know. I really do want to start, especially with regards to, have you read um, a lot of Pushkin press? I feel like Pushkin press does a lot of translated things too. Don't they? I have read a fair bit of Pushkin press, I think. I don't know if I've got a list. Maybe I do. Yeah, I feel like I remember reading that one that I thought was really not good that was Pushkin Press. Oh, my gosh. What book was that? And I, I remember talking to you about it because I think you had read it. Oh, my gosh. There's it probably like a, a lot of books that I don't think are very good. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't remember what your opinion of it was. I, it was like an angsty teen kind of book. Oh, it was The New Sorrows of Young W by Ulrich Plen Plensdorf, translated by Romy Firstland. No, I haven't read that. That was that was a Pushkin Press. I'm oh. pretty sure that's a uh like a modernization of the New Sorrows of Young Werther by Yeah. That's Goethe. exactly you are correct. And that book is amazing. I recommend that. I'll I'll add that to my list. I'll I'll go look it's for it. Probably on, it's probably on a few of your lists already. Maybe. 
hopefully. <laughs> but that, yeah, that was it. And that book was just, I don't know, I'm right. like whiny people. <laughs> Probably because I'm yeah. so whiny. <laughs> so according to my list, I've only read five books from Pushkin Press. Oh. Are they all translated? Of course. <laughs> you have to read also non-translated things. Don't give me that. I don't know if Pushkin Press only publishes translated works or not. I don't think they do, but the only translations I seem to be reading nowadays are books that I have to read for a book club. Oh. And normally I hate those books. <laughs> I feel like those I would be okay with listening to on audio. Yeah, I, I try I try to use audio books if I can, but it's not always that easy because they're normally like new contemporary oh, Australian books because this yeah. is a real-life book club. So it tends to be like new, newer books that have just come out. Yeah, those are usually harder to get on audio. Well, I don't know because I just use Libby. I, would, I don't want to pay for an audio book because, you know, you're going to pay for a book. I want to hold, hold the thing in my hand. I'm one of those horribly obnoxious people. <laughs> did you read all of the, the Man Booker International? Yeah, I did. Uh, you read all of them? And they're just on the short list right now, right? Yeah, they're just on the short list. Okay. So I did read the entire log list. I kind of want to read the yeah. Best Translated Book Award log list, but I doubt I'll get to that. That's like 25 books. Oh boy, there's no cr- crossover with the. There was a couple. There was yeah. a couple, but yeah, the best translated book award has a lot of books released in America, so it's not as easy to get them. Probably easier for you. Oh but, yeah, but, maybe you know. I should look into that then, because the Man Booker International. It's always impossible for me to find those books. They're never. Yeah. There's like maybe two that I can find in stores, but that's it. So well, I I really like the BTBA. I think yeah. it normally does a better list. Oh, really? Okay. I'll Google that and make another list. Another <laughs> list. Another list. Yeah. So currently I just have gone to the library and used Script to find the books that are available there and I'm just trying to read those. I'm not going to get through the entire list, but I'm going to get through a good amount, hopefully. That's fun. What are you reading right now? Uh, one from that list called Transparent City. I forget the author, but it's from Angola. So oh. I don't think I've read anything from Angola before. Cool. I've definitely not read anything from Angola. I really want to do that. I tried, um, you know, there's the like people that do the challenge to read a book from every country. I really want to try to do that. I Maybe. think I'll get there eventually. Yeah. Like, I think I've got about 65 countries done. But I need to, you know, like visualize it. Maybe if I do something, because it's kind of hard to just conceptually be like, oh, yeah, I've read a book from that, you know, because sometimes you forget. So the book Transparent City is by Ondaki and it's translated by Stephen Harrigan. Yeah, so I'm reading that at the moment. I'm reading, probably focusing on that long list, as much as possible. I'm also reading The Little Girl on the Ice Flow by Adelaide Bond, yeah. and that was translated by Tina Kova. That one's mm-hmm. really, really good. I've never heard of that. It's a memoir. So it's a French book. Mm-hmm. She was sexually abused when she was nine years old, but the trauma kind of blocked it all out. So mm-hmm. it's her basically like, realizing there's something wrong and like how different words trigger her and working with a psychiatrist to uncover what happened to her. Oh, wow. That sounds like a heavy read. Heavy, but amazing. Yeah. The heavy ones are usually the the best ones. Yeah. I do recommend that. I haven't finished it, but like the style and everything. The way she writes is really interesting. Yeah. Like she f- refers to herself in the third person. Like mm. it's always she did this and she did that. Like she's watching herself react to everything that's happening in her life 
without being able to do anything about it. Yeah. That makes me, like, very sad. <laughs> yeah, it is. <laughs> but I I think people should read it. Yeah. How yeah. about you? you reading any translations? No, I don't think so. <laughs> no, I'm no, I'm not reading anything in translated. The next translated book that I'm going to hopefully pick up on Monday, if my plans for this reading weekend go well, is The Seven Mad Men, finally, <laughs> by um, Roberto Arlt, translated by Nick Kester, that I feel like was on the long list last year for Man Booker and that you read already. So I don't think it was on the long list, but really? it is an I thought it book. was. Are you no. sure? Oh, I'm pretty sure. Either way, I picked up this book because of you and I never read it. So my goal is to pick this up on Monday. Well, it's an Argentinian classic, so can't go wrong with Argentina. <laughs> no, you can't. Although I have been what did I just I just finished um The Linden Tree. I think this, yeah, this is an Argentinian author by Cesar Aida. Yeah, I haven't read him. Translated by Chris Andrews. All of his books are super, super teeny. Um, I've only read uh, this one and Ghosts, and both of them I really enjoyed. They're very, like, plain, I guess. Sorry, I, I like, totally went off the rails without. It's a great book, everybody. But <laughs> That's um, all right. <laughs> sorry, I'm terrible at this. When I was in Italy, I bought um, I bought a book that's like a anthology of um, like anti-fascist like writing and art and stuff. And I really I need to read it first of all. But I think that that's something that should be published, like translated and published in the U.S. And I just have no idea. I mean, I don't know. You probably don't know how to make that happen, do you? Like, I guess I have to find a publisher which I'm going to word stock again this, this fall. So there's usually a bunch of, you know, smaller presses. Yeah. Like find a publisher and like sell them, sell them, but, you know, tell them why I think the book is so important and then see if they can find someone to translate it and then talk to the people and whatever, get the rights and stuff. Well, I just feel like it's an interesting it. topic. Oh gosh. <sighs> <laughs> this is how you become a translator. Yeah, that sounds very complicated. Let's start with me first being able to read in Italian, and then maybe I can try to translate after that. Who knows well, how long it took in me Italian, to did it in Italian, I did, because it's not translated into English. <laughs> so you've got to be able to read it, right? Yeah, I will try. So I should make that a goal to read that before this fall so I could try to talk to someone. Because I think that's such a, you know, I mean, everything in the world is kind of like going to poop right now. And I feel like we don't really talk about like fascism in Italy so much. And so I think no, it's really probably the Nazis. Yeah. Or the communists. Yeah. <laughs> so who knows? Yeah. I don't have any connections in America for you. Sorry. Yeah, that's okay. I just figured you had all connections for all things uh, translated yeah. all the time. <laughs> just stop pestering. Chad Post. Who? Chad Post. He's the, uh, he runs Open Letters. Oh. He does the 3% podcast. I don't know if you listened to that oh, one. Oh, I have downloaded it because of you, but I have not listened to it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's the only person I can think of that you could probably pester, but I don't know. That'd be interested. I, I think, I think. I think I could find, because we have a lot of small press, like the small press industry, I think is like doing really, really well right now. And I think that there are a bunch that would probably be interested in that. Again, you I just have to read it. Read some more Italian books and find who publishes them in English. Maybe approach him. Yeah, I know. But this is a very specific type of yeah, book because it's, yeah. it's not like, I don't know. you know. But there's are I think like Haymarket books publishes like political type things. Um, I feel like there's there's a few because I bought I bought this one from them. I'm pretty sure yeah Haymarket books is Recovering the Sacred by Winona LaDuke, the power of naming and claiming like about. Um, I mean she's a Native American activist and stuff. So like I feel like they they publish things that are more political in nature. So maybe 
Maybe I can talk to them and find out. You just have to translate it first. Yeah. That's the problem. I think they need a translator or a board before they consider publishing. That's true. Because who's going to do the work? Yeah. That's fair. Sorry. Off the rails again. <laughs> That's all right. I'll edit. This okay. Video good. Anyway. <laughs> good, good, good. But thank you for being on the podcast. Thank you for having me. Maybe we can do it again and I won't be such a mess. Once you've done one, you're probably ready to go for another one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I just have to pick up books in translation. My goal maybe should be to, from now on, yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do it. I'm going to make more of an effort. If you find any that you think would be good, let me know. We could do a buddy read and I mean, an episode. Well, I already read it, but I feel like, you know, this will be a great book to talk about. The Man Who Spoke Snakeish. <laughs> this book was so weird. <laughs> I want everyone to read it. <laughs> I'll see so if I can bad. find a copy of it. It's by Andrus Kvirak. Where is Andrus from? Uh, Estonia. Awesome. And it's translated by Christopher Moseley. Like, look at that font on the inside. That's, you know. No one on the podcast can say that. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Oh, stop it. Um, But yeah, he's one of Estonia's most highly regarded contemporary writers. So it's like, he's a contemporary writer, but the, the book is so weird. I really want you to read it, please. All right. I'll see if I can find a copy. Yeah. <laughs> I came on this podcast just because I wanted you to read that book. And I snuck it in there at the very yeah. end. <laughs> Your vision's complete. Yes. But I you know, like if I read it, it, you have to do a podcast on it. That's fine. I just, you know, I need just time to mentally prepare and then I'm cool. It's not as hard once you experienced it for the first time yeah i mean i I still struggle (laughs) well i think it's also hard because i've been talking to you like on the internet for so long without talking to you face to face so it's like you know you always get nervous when you meet people for the first time so i think that was also like a huge part of it but i've already met you now face to face on the internet like this so hopefully be less less nerve-wracking hopefully (laughs) hopefully all right Yes, so thank you. Thank you. If you want to support Lost in Translations, please go to patreon.com forward slash translations pod and all money there will help support the show. And please remember to subscribe and while subscribing, please rate the show. This will help others find the podcast. All our links to social media are in the show notes and you can find us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook and Let's See under Translations Pod. Thank you for listening. This podcast was recorded on the lands of the Walgarukabar and Bindal people. We acknowledge their ownership of this land and all the traditional owners in Australia and acknowledge their care of the land. This is a Macaulay Flower production. <laughs>